For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Hello, welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a social media examiner production. I'm Eric Fisher, and my co-host today is Kim Reynolds. This is the show for marketers. I should say that again. This is the show for marketers looking to stay on the leading edge of social media. We cover the social media news that broke in the last few days. As always, this show is brought to you by Social Media Marketing World. It is like Christmas Eve right now. We're almost there. And we want you to be there with us as well. You can find out more at smmw18.com. We have got an amazing show for you today. Today, we are going to explore Snapchat rolling out new analytics with our guest, Carlos Gill. We're going to talk Pinterest updates with Jeff C. And then Jeff's going to stick around and talk a little bit more about some updated Vimeo stuff. And we've got a ton more breaking social media marketing news of the week. And so with that, we will get right on in to the show and bring our first guest in, Carlos Gill. Hey, Carlos. Welcome back to the show. Great to be here. Good to see you. So Snapchat has been just left and right coming out with stuff. It's it's pretty interesting. It's pretty cool. I mean, are you excited? I'm excited about this insights feature. I have to say, and I know you guys talked uh, in previous weeks about the redesign. I'm not thrilled about the redesign and how they've mixed up stories and combined everyone's stories in the discover section. However, as a marketer, and again, this is the show for marketing, like you said, Eric, I love the insights feature because how else are you going to know if you're successful in your marketing on Snapchat if you don't have access to insights. And previously, the only insights that you really had was screenshots and views, which wasn't really a a accurate picture of your performance. So you see there on the screen, you're now able to see a combination. And I'm going to just kind of go through these from... Yeah, walk us through. Walk us through it. So what you're seeing at the very top of the screen is your story views year to date. Also, it's broken down by week and by month. So think of story views very similar to how you would think of impressions on Twitter or, you know, uh, on Facebook even. Then you have view time on on the right. And I like this because this is very similar for YouTube, from what you see on YouTube. So anyone out there is a content creator or a brand that's currently using YouTube, you're already used to seeing that view time feature. So I, I like these stats because, again, you're able to get a real clear cut picture of what dent you're making, so to speak. And then when you look at the bottom and you see reach, now you have that breakdown over the last seven days. So you're able to see when's your audience more engaged. If you're posting content every single day, you're able to see is your audience more engaged on Wednesday or are they more engaged on Friday? And this is really important because when I'm out speaking at conferences, I typically am asked by brand marketers, what day of the week should I be posting on Snapchat? And another question that gets asked, uh, and some of you watching this might have thought about this before, is should I be posting every day? 
or should I be posting a couple times a week? And I often say what you should do is you should start off by posting at least Monday through Friday. And at that point, see when your audience is most engaged. So now you actually have access to that data where if you're a brand that doesn't necessarily have a lot of resources, you can at least designate someone in your company to post one day a week and you have access to the data to see what that day should be. So big win there. Then you start going down. Um, and actually, I want to take a step back. But in addition to reach, you can also see a metric, which is the average time viewed. Oh, so, cool. so this is really important because if you're creating three-minute stories, but yet you're only on average having 30, 30 seconds of your story being watched, now as a marketer, as a brand, or as a small business, you know, instead of creating three-minute stories, you should probably be creating stories that are much shorter, maybe around 30 seconds to a minute. Um, you can also see the drop-off. So what percent of your story is viewed? So I would really compare these stats more so to YouTube than even Instagram. Um, so as you move further down, now you see a breakdown. What percent of your audience is male and what percent is female? And then the age demographic. So once again, if you are, let's say, a B2B company and you feel that Snapchat's not the right medium for you, as, as you often hear in the space, you can now see insights that directly indicate who exactly it is that, that makes up your audience. Like in my case, the majority of my audience falls between the age range of 21 to 35. Uh, which is no surprise because that aligns with the demographics of who follows me on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook, because, again, these platforms have that. So who all is this rolling out to? Does everybody have access to this yet? Or is this like a rollout, like a, you know, certain creators get it first and then more? You know, I know everything I've read says select creators. I have it on my account. I'd love to ask the audience here that's watching you know, both on Crowdcast and Facebook if they have it yet. I know I've asked my network across channels and uh, some people have it, some people don't. I would imagine that they would they'd be rolling this out um, here rather quickly to most accounts. You would think that Snapchat, which is definitely eager to generate ad dollars, uh, would give their users at this point as much access to insights as possible. Uh, I know that Snapchat has said like, you know, they've even been quoted as saying like tens of thousands. Well, that's a pretty big window. So I would assume that I mean, obviously, if you have it, I, I would have thought you would have had it. Obviously, <laughs> I don't know that. Like, for example, I would have it, though. You know, I want to point out another feature. Once you actually dive in deep and you see who follows you, I really like this breakdown here because not only do you see the age breakdown by percent, but if you look at the very middle of the screen, now it gives you actual categories of what your audience is into. So you see like beauty mavens. Um, on my end, <laughs> believe it or not, my highest audience was people that like heavy metal and punk music. And then the second highest audience was vegetarians and vegans. And then like business was like 8%. So what that says to someone like me is I have a very diverse makeup of my following on Snapchat. Like almost 30% of this audience is either into punk music or they're vegetarians and vegans which means maybe I should post content that's more related to music. Maybe I should post content that's more related to healthy living and healthy eating. So these are things, if you're following along with who makes up your audience, that you can start making these pivots and, and give your audience more of you want, especially if you want to grow your network and you know that the majority of your network is into a certain you know, genre or niche, give your audience more of that. And then you see the bottom, popular regions. So that breakdown, you have you know, the, four, the four highest you know, cities where, you're, where your audience is, is watching from. So if you're a small business and like, hear me out, because this is important for small businesses. If you're a small business that's really trying to use Snapchat 
to grow your brand and make local community connections, you really want to hone in and ensure that the majority of your audience is watching your content coming from your city or your town. That's a great insight. Uh, do you know when this, uh, you know, this your subscribers versus Snapchat average? They've got some some categories here. You mentioned one, beauty mavens. They've got a couple others listed here: hipsters and trendsetters, moviegoers, frequent traveler, travelers. Are those literal categories that you saw inside your insights, or was it different? Are they, in other words, in this press release uh, photo, are they just playing with us with these tags or these categories, or are those legit? I would imagine it's from someone's account. So I'm opening mine up just to confirm. But like I said, you know, for me, number one is people that like heavy metal and punk rock, which I found really interesting. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're playing. So, all right. So I've got punk and metal fans, vegans and organic foodies, (laughs) and actually uh, investors and entrepreneurs have now become number three. Interesting. Yeah. So it, it, I guess it's it's basically based on categories based on your account, which is really cool because you're not seeing any of these that they've listed here. So pretty no. interesting. Um, so I guess my my question here is uh, how you know, what would you say to somebody who's starting to dig into this? What are some of the key metrics, key places you want people to like focus in and hone in on to improve if they, if they are a business? You've already mentioned, you know, the local one, the popular regions one uh, and the the Snapchat, uh, the subscribers, what they're into. Uh, what about age? You know, age is important also, because oftentimes uh, we make this assumption that Snapchat's just a social network for Gen Z or for millennials. Uh, but I, I disagree with that. I think that if you are a brand that sells to an older consumer, that older consumer lives on Snapchat as well. My mom and dad are on Snapchat and they're retirees. Uh, and I think part of the reason why they're on Snapchat is because like 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 their friends in their 55 and older community, they want to be able to have access to their son and to their grandkids. They're on Snapchat, but that's, that's an area of opportunity. You mm-hmm. know, I'll speak at conferences on here from insurance companies and they think that they shouldn't be on Snapchat because they're in a highly regulated industry. But I let them know all the time who you're selling to is on Snapchat. If you're trying to sell to younger families, for example, or real estate, I do a lot of work with real estate agents now through my business. So, you know, real estate's another hot area for Snapchat. You know, everything from doing live tours, to engaging with people in your own community, which is why the community metric is so important. You want to ensure that you're speaking to the right audience. And that's not just a Snapchat thing. That's social media 101. You always want to ensure that you're speaking to the right audience out there. And and insights, this move, I think, is a step in the right direction for Snap. But I tell you what, if you want to go a screen back to where it shows view counts, I think any business out there, any creator, any user needs to really be looking at their insights very closely. I know with Instagram, I'll go on Instagram every single day and I look at my metrics very closely. Everything from uh, how many people have added me to uh, you know percent of, of, of views that I'm getting, number of views I'm getting, because that's the indicator if your content is really popping off with people. And I'll personally do tests on Snapchat, just like I've done many times on Instagram, where some days my story will be really, really short. I typically get a lot higher view count and much higher retention, meaning people are actually sticking around. They're watching the days where my content's four and five minutes long. The reality is that someone is not going to stick through a four to five minute story unless you're doing something that's over the top. Amazing. I was wondering, actually, Andrew, Andrew Parker was wondering, how do they determine which community a user is part of, such as moviegoers or beauty movers? How do they make that determination? 
So that's a really good question. And my assumption would be through partnerships with Foursquare and partnerships with Google, Snapchat's collecting data, especially the partnership with Foursquare. I don't know if we're going to get to talk about Snapchat Maps uh, on this broadcast. Yeah, we've got that list. But, but Maps really is Yelp through Snapchat. And what I like about Maps is you can now look at different venues, different restaurants, different places that people have gone and snapped. And you can now see snaps of people at those locations, even if those snaps were taken more than 24 hours ago. So when you think about this, I was at a restaurant Saturday night and I snapped from there. That snap now is archived within Snapchat. So now Snapchat knows that I go there. Um, geo filters as well. Let's think about it. You're using geo filters where you go. That geolocation data is being pulled in from Google. So think of Snapchat no different than Facebook. It's Big Brother. They, they have data to know where you're at. And if you go to these places, if you go to ice cream shops enough times and snap from there, then they're going to know that you like ice cream. If, if you are into you know, music and you're going to concerts, uh, they're going to know that you like music. So um, I know one of the things that we're going to talk about with Snap Maps is you can now access Snap Maps on, on a desktop. In fact, I have it pulled up right here in my office. And this is a step forward for Snapchat to open up Snapchat content for the desktop. And it's a step forward because right now you can only see Snapchat content on this, which is a, a mobile device. But through Snap Maps, on the desktop, you can now see content on your desktop. And it's just going to be a matter of time before Snapchat gives you your own channel or your, your own unique URL where you can direct people to. And instead of having to opt in and consume your content exclusively in Snapchat, guess what? You'll be able to drop that URL on Facebook. You'll be able to tweet it out. You'll be able to put it on LinkedIn or even email it out to your, to your newsletter. And you'll be able to consume content that way. Yeah, this is I mean, to be able to have the ability through Snap Maps to be able to view Snapchat content on a desktop and not just, you know, have to pull my phone out and make sure I'm logged in and then go through different uh, snaps to be able to look at snaps on the desktop. I mean, this is a pretty big uh, ability for people, brands, businesses, et cetera, to hopefully direct people to their content uh, outside of the Snap app. Right. Yeah, I was actually playing around with it before coming on the show here. And what's neat is you can also take snaps from different locations and you can embed them. So let's think about it. if you have a, a blog, yeah. if you're on Medium, uh, you can actually embed content now. It gives you a, an embed code, which is neat. You can tweet out, you can share content on Facebook. So don't fall asleep on Snapchat <laughs> is what I'm going to say. Yeah. I got a question. You just made me think, well, don't snaps go away after 24 hours? Why would why would I want to embed it? That's a good question, Eric. I'm hoping maybe we can. I think with snap maps, maybe the snaps will stick around. Like I said before, on the mobile experience, when you look at a location, that snap sticks around beyond 24 hours. So uh, my assumption would tell me that that snap would stick around for beyond 24 hours if it's either indexed into a location um, or if it's accessible over a desktop. Snap's doing some other stuff too when it comes to trying to make money and marketing. So talk to me about off them offering free advertising credits to people on other platforms. 
Yeah, so they, they recently announced this and I've got it pulled up on my end. You can actually apply. It's through a Google form. You can apply with Snapchat's business team to actually get free ad credits. And my assumption would be this is if you're probably spending a good amount of dollars uh, on Facebook or Instagram already. I don't think if you're spending like $100 on Facebook ad that they're going to give you a free ad credit, but you know they might. So I would, I would fill out the form anyways. Uh, but what they're trying to do is they're trying to lure... Uh, users over from Facebook specifically to advertise on Snapchat. So very similar to if you've ever gotten an email from Google to try Google AdWords and you get like a $50 or $100 credit. That's pretty much what they're doing. But like I said, my assumption would, would, you know, tells me that they're probably looking for more of enterprise brands. But it's no secret. You know, Snapchat's a, a publicly traded company. In fact, their stock has skyrocketed, you know, over the last couple of weeks since their last earnings announcement. Uh, you know, and I don't want to spill the beans too much because I know I'm going to be speaking about Snapchat's ad platform at right. Social Media Marketing World here in a couple of weeks. But it's on par with Instagram stories. Um, you know, the story, uh, you know, uploads in its own right have really taken off as a, as a preferred medium, especially for millennials and Gen Z in terms of how they consume content. So, uh, you know, going back to, to what you brought up before, they're looking to lure in more advertisers. I think if you're a brand out there, it's spending any budget whatsoever on other platforms is definitely advantageous for you at this point in time to try Snapchat. What are we looking at growth wise? Where are they at now numbers with, you know, audience or daily active users and things like that? Yeah, you know, they're they're under 200 million daily active users. So they're not, you know, apples for apples on par with with Instagram. Here's what I've learned, you know, over the last year of just traveling and speaking internationally. Snapchat is predominantly used in the US. Whereas Instagram, a big big bulk of their user base is actually in Europe. And these are stats that you can you can research and look up all day. Um, so if you are a US-based business, or even if you're in North America, so if you're in Canada and you're a small business or, or, or medium to large, I would really look at Snapchat from an advertising standpoint if you're trying to reach a younger audience, okay. especially if you're trying to reach an audience in your community. So going back to what I said before, insurance, real estate, you know, uh, any mom and pop restaurant, if you're trying to lure a younger audience in, it's not as it, it's more cost effective to reach them on Snapchat. And it's not as costly as doing print or, or direct mail or even email marketing for that fact. In other news we've got here, they've opened up a marketing API to all developers. What's the news there? Yeah, so you're going to start seeing Snapchat integrated with platforms like uh, like Sprinkler and Spreadfast and Hootsuite and Buffer. They're opening up the API so now agencies and developers can go ahead and do programmatic ad buying, uh, you know, without having to necessarily log into Snapchat. So, you know, again, you're, you're now seeing advances coming forward with Snap. Uh, that was only a matter of time. We're talking about seven-year-old company now. It was a matter of time. A lot of marketers, uh, especially within the social media examiner community, have spoken up. Uh, they've been very vocal with what Snapchat needs, and Snapchat's raising the bar. I know we've snuck one other thing in here that's not necessarily Snapchat news, but it is story news, and I want to get your take on this. So Google is launching this new stories format inside of Search, and I know we've got some images that go along with that and showcase, you know, this basically looks like Snapchat discover type content that you would find popping up in Google search. What do you think of this? I think if, if Google taps into the YouTuber community, 
since Google owns YouTube and they tap into the YouTube community, they can make a run for their money with Snap. But I think we're getting to a point where we're starting to see social media oversaturation. Uh, and we're getting to a point where people you know, aren't going to keep hopping around between network to network to see the same news. But once again, let's go back to what I said before, the story format works. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think it's smart on Google's part to go down the Snapchat slash Instagram story you know, path of, and, and even Facebook, you know, Facebook stories, you know, the, I, I've, I've seen this said many times in different groups that I'm in, you know, for our industry, uh, the stories feed is the new news feed and it's easy to consume. It's not watching a YouTube video. It's not reading a blog post. So I think it's a smart play on Google's part. If I was Google, what I would do is I'd get every YouTuber to get behind this. I, I, I seem to recall a, a Zuckerberg quote from the last, I don't know, month, month and a half where he literally said something along the lines of the newsfeed is going to become stories. Do you remember hearing that? Yeah. So stories everywhere. And you're going to talk to us about uh, all of this at Social Media Marketing World. So, again, what are you talking about? What's your what's your topic there? I'm talking about Snapchat ads for business. So if you're watching this, I encourage you to come out to my session. It's going to happen on Friday, March 2nd. If you haven't purchased your ticket yet for Social Media Marketing World, be sure that you jump on it. I know there's also a virtual ticket option. So if Snapchat's advertising platform is of interest for you and your business in the coming year, I look forward to seeing you at Social Media Marketing World. Awesome. It's going to be great to uh, see you again, Carlos. And where can people find you uh, between now and then? Or if, you know, they're going to if they're going to miss out and not be at Social Media Marketing World, we still want them to follow you. So direct us to where we can do that. You can visit my website, which is carloskill.biz. You can also follow me on Snapchat, the Carloskill, and I look forward to connecting with you online. Awesome. Carlos, see you in a couple weeks. All right, guys. Thanks for being Thank here. Thank you so much. You. See ya. Bye. Awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, if you look at some of the the content that's on uh, in some of our examples, like they, that with this Google stuff, like it's right on par with what you see from Snapchat. And the discovery stories, I know a lot of people, they don't necessarily use Snapchat for the sake of snapping or chatting, the two components that make up their word, their name. But uh, (laughs) they go in there to look at this vertical, interactive content. I know, Jeff, that's one thing you do. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, Hey. Jeff. How's everybody going? How's everybody doing? Good. 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 So, Jeff C., welcome to the show. Um, We are switching gears. We're going to talk Pinterest. Then we're going to switch over and talk about the other thing that you do with us, which is uh, Vimeo slash video slash whatever. So, anyway, let's talk about Pinterest first. So, this seems like a really interesting, um, not redesign, but uh, addition of of organizational tools on Pinterest. Yeah, so this is something that people have been asking. The end user has been asking for for a long time. It really, to be honest, it doesn't make a bunch of difference to if you're coming at from a marketing perspective. It's just kind of a new way to like organize your board. So there's kind of three big things that rolled out with this new update. Now people can archive a Pinterest board. And their thought behind this is that, let's say, you know, you were planning for a wedding or some big event and you had been pinning all this stuff and the event is over. Well, before what you could do is you could actually make that a secret board and it goes away and people couldn't see that public, uh, see that publicly anymore. But now you can archive a Pinterest board, which I was kind of confused. So like I was, I asked some of my friends like Elisa Meredith and Patrick's like, what's the, 
what's the difference between that and the secret board if you want to can switch one off? Well, what when you archive a board, you're pretty much sending a signal to Pinterest that you're finished. You're done with that. Um, if you have a secret board, they're still going to show you related pins in your feed that have to do with that uh, that secret board. So archiving is, I'm done. I'm kind of don't want to see this stuff anymore, but I'm going to keep it around maybe to be nostalgic later to look at stuff. But pretty much you don't want to see that content anymore. So that's what the archiving of a Pinterest board does. So Once again, it's kind of fun for uh, end users. It also is kind of a way to maybe, if you think in terms of a blog post, take it private so you can tweak it, rewrite right. it, and then republish it again. Is that another yeah, consideration. So you can take them just like a secret board. You can take yeah. them out of archive and put them back in, just like kind of an Instagram or that kind of thing. Okay. So it's another feature that you know people have been uh, looking for. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's what you're going to see. You're not going to like if you were pinning a bunch of wedding stuff and you're pinning that board. When you archive it, you're not going to see a bunch of related pins having to do with wedding dresses, etc. So, all right. That's what the else? First thing. The, what else is next? The, the the second thing. A couple. Um, Weeks ago, we or it was it may have been a couple of months ago. It all blends together. <laughs> um, they had uh, they introduced sections where you'd have sections inside of a board. Once again, this is more for an end user. So, say for example, I had a great dessert board. Like I was pinning all the dessert. Well, I could break it down into cookies, cakes, ice cream, and have different sections for that. Well, now you're able to reorder those sections. Uh, inside of a board by dragging and dropping. And now you can also reorder pins. So for all those people who are so uh, such a control freak, they like to have everything super organized. They're the people who, you know, who like have the color coded apps on their iPhone. Um, oh, yeah. This this update is for you because it it really has nothing to do with search. It doesn't really affect how things are being seen. It's just for you, the end user, being able to go rearrange things and uh, put them, you know, in a certain order that's pleasing to you. Like if you're having, uh, if you want to have like, all, I would use it for recipes, like recipes we use a lot. I would bring those to the top and have those there for me, the end user. Now with sections, there's always a question for marketers going, well, I could have like a board about social media and then I could break it down into Snapchat, uh, Instagram and have different sections that way. Well, the problem is you probably need to make those to be individual boards mm -hmm. so they can rank and search they could be a specific niche board where you could write keywords and have a description. And so sections, once again, don't have anything to do with search. They're just a way for you to kind of organize your own pins. What about, say, some of your most popular pins, moving those up to the top of a board? You could do that. But there's also a thing there on Pinterest called Carousel, where you can actually put your most popular boards up there. True. That is right at the top of the profile and people can kind of scroll through them that way. So that's what I usually tell people to do like with their most popular blog posts or, or whatnot. And the last kind of um, thing that you can do, and this is very helpful, especially if you do a lot of, you have a lot of boards on Pinterest is now you can actually sort your boards alphabetically or by most recent or oldest or, you know, and, and use drag and drop that way. So like I have everything. I mean, I have like, you know, uh, blog posts to um, social media articles that I want to keep to, you know, my, the recipes that we have in our family. Well, I can actually just go alphabetically and find those quicker or search by most recent. And it's just very, very helpful to do that. There, uh, Kim brought up a shot of what it looks like that you can sort. Um, and it's just another kind of end user um, up, update that kind of helps people that people have been asking for for a long time, but they just now got around to doing it. We have a couple questions. Um... If you take if say if you archive a board and you have people who are uh, following that board, uh, do you lose the followers? Do we know that? I don't believe so. I don't think they do. I, I'm not 100 percent on that. Um, 
That's a good question. And I don't know 100%. Bring that question to the social media marketing world. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking <laughs> about that. Because I don't really know because uh, I don't think it does it when you actually uh, do a secret board. But this archiving thing is so new, I'm not sure. And I really don't want to test it because I don't want to lose followers. So <laughs> right. there you go. Yeah, you don't want to you know? risk it. Uh, yeah, Shay, so Shay also has a question. He says, yeah. Jeff, can you make a non-secret board secret? Yes. So if you have a public board and you want to make it secret, yes, you can do that. And then that's that was kind of for a long time. You couldn't once you had it one way or another, it was done. Well, now you can flip a switch and go back and forth. So what I actually do before I even uh, publish a, a new board is I fill it up. I make it a secret board. I fill it up with content and then I pu- and then I take it public. So you can switch those back and forth the same way. Now you can do with the archiving feature. Cool. Uh, all these new features coming out for Pinterest. When are they rolling out? Are they out of it? Is this available now? They're all available now. And the, the cool thing is they're available for iOS, Android, and on the desktop. So uh, there's no kind of waiting to see if it's working. I tested it this morning and last night on both uh, the my uh, app and the desktop, and they, it works really well. Cool. Okay. All right. So to switch completely pivot-wise from Pinterest to video, right. Vimeo right. had some interesting news that they came out with. Uh, so being as you are usually... And even right now, while we are running the show, you are the person helping us simulcast this. Vimeo right. uh, announced some simulcasting news from their um, platform. Yeah. So the cool thing about this is it's kind of Vimeo is kind of not being a competitor anymore. They were kind of this pseudo competitor to YouTube and some of the other platforms. They're more now trying to be like a partner to help you do stuff. And there's two new tools that came out. Uh, the first one uh, allows a simultaneous live streaming across multiple online destinations like YouTube, Twitch, Periscope. And the second part of it is you can now public videos as native posts to other social destinations. So let me dive into that real quick. The first part of it where you can do uh, go across multiple networks, um, that's for their live platform. That's kind of a new feature. Um, the thing is, there's a little caveat to that is... Um, Facebook actually prohibits companies from using its live API to enable uh, this live video streaming to multiple platforms. It's, it's kind of their, that's one of the things they can't do. I mean, Wirecast can't do it. Um, uh, Vimeo can't do it. So you're actually, when they say that, you're able to go to Facebook and Vimeo at the same time or YouTube and, and Vimeo at the same time or Periscope and Vimeo. So that's what they mean. It's not a one-stop shop. Uh, because of the limitations that Facebook puts on their API. So um, it's, it's, it's kind of, um, you just got to have to read between the lines of that. Right. So it's cool that they're allowing this now. Um, the problem that I see, this is a pricey platform. The cheapest platform for uh, price for their live video is $65 a month. So for a lot of people, that's, you know, pretty pricey just to do two platforms at the same time. So that's that didn't excite me very much. And I know people are going to ask, well, how in the world are you guys doing it um, right now? We don't we use a different platform where we're not having to deal with the uh, the Facebook ha- uh, API because we're doing the handshake that's, uh, in a different way. And so uh, anyway, so that's how we're getting around it. But it's it's disqualified for um, 
by Facebook to have more than one stream happening at the same time. So. I know that uh, when they first rolled out some of this Vimeo live stuff, we had Luria on and we talked all about mm -hmm. that, the benefits of, you know, what the possibilities were with this new Vimeo going, you know, ability to go live on Vimeo uh, platform. Mm -hmm. um, so people could go back and uh, find that show on our site, socialmediaexaminer.com. Right. Um, and, and just look that up. And Vimeo is a great plat platform for other creators. Like a lot of, right. I know a lot of, um, Film, you know, who, who make short films and do commercials. A lot of people use that. I mean, a lot of people use it for platforms that they want to have behind a wall. Um, so Vimeo is still a pretty strong company. I like that they're doing these changes. But the second part of this news um, really um, excites me. So the second part was that you're able to publish videos as native posts to other social platforms. So that what that means is you publish a video to Vimeo and you check a box and it actually uploads natively, not shares a link, this is natively to Facebook and YouTube as of now. They, they're probably gonna add some more, they said later. But that just really streamlines stuff uh, for video content creators because that makes it really, really easy. You get also get the benefit of being on Vimeo and to have that uh, ability, that they're offering to their, I believe $7 a month pro uh, package. So. Uh, you have a free one, and then if you want to upgrade to get more storage, um, it's seven dollars, and then the pro the pro is twenty dollars a month. But it gives you that ability to you know post natively to those platforms, which is very very cool. And if you're doing a lot of videos, that saves a ton of time. So by post natively, just to make sure the audience understands, posting natively would mean it literally is uploading that video as a native upload to say, for example, right. Facebook, which most people understand the difference there is you upload the video to Facebook itself versus dropping in the link there, which then just populates right. it as a post that way. Right. That you then, then have to click through. Yeah. It Perfect. doesn't do as well as we've, we've done. Right. Like when you drop a YouTube link, it just doesn't do well on Facebook. The same way if you drop a Vimeo link, it doesn't do well. Well, this, you connect your accounts inside their platform. Um, and then you just click that. You can actually uh, customize the post that you want to go out and boom, it uploads it for you. So, um, I just think that is such a cool um, uh, time saver. And then it, you're also able to track the stats of those social posts right from your Vimeo stats dashboard. So I haven't had a chance to play with that yet, but um, that's very, very cool. And once again, that goes back to Vimeo kind of wanting to be this one-stop shop for uh, anything video creators need for their for their business and putting out their content. Yeah, it's, so, it's almost like them uh, being moved into like a video hub or a video utility that then is is your, you know, your home base and then use that to then reach out to all the other possible video platforms. Right. At least that's and I know what it feels a lot like. of people have Vimeo already or they're paying for the pro mm -hmm. version because $7 a month, you know, that gives you a lot more storage and updates and that stuff. And so this is already this is already built into it. So you can go in there and look at that now if you're using the like the $7 pro plan and uh, test it out. Very cool. Jeff, thank you so much for being here and talking to us about this. I know I can't remember the last time you were on. Was it last week or the week before? But anyways, you're talking about visual content, visual marketing, marketing for the non for non designers. Right. I am so a non designer. You, I should go so to your you session. Have, Yes, you should. <laughs> Everyone should. We so, should all go. Uh, we sh yes, I would love to have you there. It'll be fun. And so I'm so looking forward to seeing everybody uh, at the conference. And man, a week away. Yes. I better, I better start writing my, my talk.
Where, um, I don't, I wouldn't say that publicly. No, I know. No. I know you've been <laughs> running through it. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, our speakers bring our a game and you're just another one of That's those right. awesome a game speakers. Where can people find you when you're not doing stuff for us? Where can people find your other stuff? They can find me at manlypinteresttips.com where we're always adding testosterone one pin at a time. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Jeff, see you later. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Bye. So if, if you can't tell, we are excited about Social Media Marketing World. And so we would be remiss if we did not tell you that you can grab your ticket, find out more, be there or be there virtually through the recording pass, the virtual ticket, by going to smmw18.com. And with that, we'll move into the remainder of the news for the week, which is a lot of cool stuff. So this next one is real interesting. This is uh, Facebook improving page insights. Now, caveat, there's some interesting stuff in here. You probably need to make sure you get your head around. And so there's two updates, two new updates to page insights that uh, Facebook says are going to help businesses understand uh, the results from your Facebook page that are going to help you, you know, in other words, what matters most. And the changes, the first change is in the way that they are measuring organic reach of pages. Now, I know I just said organic reach and everybody freaked out, but they are going to switch the way they that they measure that. They're going to make it in line with how they have done it for um, the the ads, in other words. And what's interesting here, and so there, there's actually a difference here. So let me let me walk through this this difference. Um, starting, and I'll I'll literally just quote them, and then I'll explain it. So they say. We've, they previous, previously announced this change, and starting Monday, they will now update how they measure organic reach of pages to be more consistent with the way we calculate reach for ads. This is a change in the way that we measure reach, not a change in newsfeed distribution, and other engagement metrics will remain the same. This will provide page owners with a more precise measurement of their audience and offer a more consistent measurement methodology across both our paid and organic reach reporting. Since this, and then here's the where, where you got to pay attention. Since this is a stricter reporting, some pages may see lower reach figures than before. Now, it's there, and there was actually a recent thing with podcasting stats that did the exact same thing. It's that they switched to accurately measuring versus the way they had been measuring all along, which in a sense was inflating the reach of the posts. So, what they're doing now is instead of, um, showing you uh, how it was for an organic post uh, on a page, they're now going to treat it like it was a a post from uh, of an ad. And the difference between those two is that for pages, they've calculated that reach, those post reaches, based on how many times a post was delivered in the news feed, okay? But for paid ads, they had a stricter definition, which was they were only counting reach when a post was actually on a screen. So you can kind of see that like for the news feed, they had pre-populated some of these posts and that was getting counted. Whereas for an ad, they were only counting it if it actually showed up on your screen. And what they're doing is they're switching organic reach now for posts over to that ad uh, mentality, that approach. So. Your reach that you already thought was going to go down 
is probably going to go down a little bit more based on accurate <laughs> changing of the way that they measure it. And I hope that made sense. For me, it took a little bit of understanding and, and, and really deep reading to be like, oh, I get it now. So just be aware you may see and, and literally when they they don't they sometimes they say um, you may or may not see. I know Mike made a big, you know, a big stink about this when the uh, the changes were coming out a couple weeks ago, a few months ago now. Um, they almost always say may or may not see reach decline. This is one of those instances where they say you may. So they're not saying may not. So it will probably happen. In other words, when we translate it to Facebook language. So now, didn't you assume before that that was how reach was calculated? I always assumed uh, uh, that yeah. organic reach was calculated like paid reach, that it actually had to show up on someone's screen to count. And I would have so, assumed that same thing. Right. Yeah, Kim, great point. Like I would have assumed that if, if, if it was reach, true reach, it was showing up on somebody's screen. That it wasn't mm -hmm. and they were counting that all along. I'm like, oh, really? You were already – so you were already – you know, messing with us. Overinflating. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. And they've done that with one or two other things in terms of measurement with video, I think was the last one video. that we really talked yeah. about uh, a couple months ago. So late 2017, I think. Uh, the other major um, changes that or updates with this is that now uh, they're going to give um, – they're redesigning page insights, as you can see in some of the examples that we have shared, um, to make it easier for you to find more important information at a glance is what they're saying, especially on mobile. So with this redesign, they're putting the commonly used metrics up to the top, which include um, general page diagnostics, things like number of likes, the reach, the engagement, uh, results of some of the actions that you've taken, recent post performance, new page engagement, and demographic of new followers. And these page insights are now available globally on iOS and Android. So next up, Facebook has a new list feature, which is very cool. With this new list, list feature, you can create actual lists, either bullet lists or numbered lists, and you get to pick whatever color background that you want or, you know, a wide variety of background colors. Mm -hmm. You can put emoji in the title. You set your title and you... Um, you just you make these lists and you can you can continue to add. I here have six items. This was a, a packing list for social media marketing world. Um, I created this to test out the feature and I was hoping that you could go in and edit your list and add things to it. As I crowdsourced information, I wanted to go and continue to add to my list. But you can't do that. Once you've created a list, you can't edit the actual list, though you can edit the text in the post. Now, Facebook has said that part of this, part of this uh, new list feature was that you could copy lists from friends and family and ask for opinions, etc. I haven't seen the copy feature yet, and that might just be a, uh, something that hasn't yet rolled out with this update. But um, one thing I thought was really interesting was that Facebook said the goal of this type of feature is to push users to post more personal updates, like stories about their lives, what they're up to, what they're thinking, because these were once Facebook's bread and butter and it enticed friends to log back in and see what you're saying. And with this, with this list, new list post format, when you first start to create your list, it actually gives you a whole series of questions 
to prompt you. Like mm. it gives you ideas for lists. Like, you know, what's on your bucket list? Uh, what do you need to get done today? What's your favorite, uh, you know, your favorite band, favorite quotes? I mean, it gives you a whole bunch of different ideas that you can choose from. Or like in this case, you can create your own headline in your own list content. So I think it's really fun. I like the the colorful background. And I will say this list did get a lot of engagement. And I'm sure part of it's because it was about social media marketing world, but the other is just very eye-catching in this stream. Well, and that's exactly the point there with the eye-catching-ness of it is it is building off that recent addition to having the colored backgrounds with text on it in your Facebook newsfeed, which I don't particularly like. However, I see people like, for example, Chris Brogan, one of our speakers, um, use it sparingly, like maybe once every day or every other day. And it actually mm-hmm. comes through the newsfeed and it, it sticks out more than other people's posts do. I remember right. those posts more. So yeah. as much as I don't necessarily like it, it's still <laughs> that's a personal opinion. Obviously, it yeah. works. So having a list there is is pretty cool. So you have this already. I do not. Uh, I don't believe pages have this yet either. Right. I don't believe pages have it. And if you want someone asked, how do you, where do you find this? Yeah. When you go into create a post, there's a little more button you or more thing link you can push and you give, you get other options of post types and it's kind of buried at the bottom there as well as the new poll feature. So Very. those two are together. Very cool. All right. So we've got some other Facebook updates here, specifically Facebook improving group management and the the group management experience. So last week, Facebook announced four new tools for group admins and members. And so these updated admin tools make finding group insights as well as managing memberships easier and um, it allows so so one of the features is announcements. So you can post up to 10 announcements that will appear at the top of a group page. This is great. I mean, up to this point, you've basically you've been basically you've been basically able to, uh, I believe, just pin one thing. But now you can have actual like announcements that will appear at the top of your group page. Um, one of the other updates, a dedicated rules section, which I think is is it, really good idea to have a rules section, you know, where you can um, be able to know what the expected, um, what is it, protocol, interact, you know, basically the rules of the group. Here is how we act in this group. If you don't abide by these rules, you're booted kind of a thing, you know, the the expected, the etiquette. That's what I was, that's the word I was looking for. And um, that was, that was actually very interesting uh, to see. I know that that's one of those things that, that having the rules uh, of a, a, um, a group is an imperative thing. Uh, it, it's really cool. Like, it, I mean, it literally, you, it has them listed out and it has like a, a, like a bold, like, for example, this one group that they give in the example, uh, it says, be kind and courteous. We're all. And then in, in smaller text, it says, we're all in this together create, to create a welcoming environment and on and on. And so I think this is pretty interesting. I really like this update. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Kim? Yeah, I think it's great also. And if I, I'm not admitting any groups right now, but I know from past experience that this would have been super helpful. So I, and I know that a lot of group administrators are super excited about this too. Yeah. One of the other things they've rolled out updates wise is colors and colors is interesting because mm-hmm. it allows 
your group to have an aesthetic and a feel and uh, I don't know, an emotional connection, you know, like instead of just having that standard um, Facebook blue, you can now have your brand's colors integrated in in all the different places where that highlight blue would have been, which is really cool. I mean, it's a small change, that. but I think this is a great change. This is really cool. I do too. Um, remember, I, do too. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember specifically when it was. I think it was like late summer, early fall of 2017. They killed that Facebook groups app, the mobile app. And they said, mm-hmm. we are going to come at you with some group updates to make groups more manageable, more, uh, you know, community based, all that kind of stuff. And they're starting to do it. I mean, we're seeing it here with some of these updates. So it's pretty interesting. It is. All right. Uh, next up, one of the other cool things they're doing is they are opening up their v- their Facebook spaces, their VR app, to allow users to connect with up to four people from a Facebook group to which they belong. So this may not be huge for a lot of people because VR is still growing and, and getting bigger, but uh, to be able to engage with those people that you already know through a Facebook group is a pretty cool uh, addition. Mm-hmm. Okay, next. so next up, Facebook is testing a new downvote mechanism for comments with a small set of people in the U.S. only. Now, just not to confuse it with a dislike button, mm-hmm. this is definitely something different. And this this downvote button is only intended to be a method of flagging questionable comments on a public page post. So it gives users a way to share fe- feedback on what type of comments ought to be considered offensive, misleading, off-topic, etc. So they, they, Facebook just wants to give people a feedback mechanism that's easy and more prominent. And they, again, reiterate, they don't want it to be confused with a dislike button because that is definitely not what they're doing. Yeah, and it's not like Reddit where it's like, oh, I'm going to downvote you and you know bury your right. comment that way. It's more for... Um, kind of curation of comments. Well, and but though way. I did see I did see that Facebook said that if there's, you know, multiple downvotes, it will push the comment down so it's not the t- at the top of the comment stream. Right. And taking over. So, okay. maybe it is a little reddit like in in a sense. But Yeah. yeah so uh, next up, yeah, next up, we've got some found in the wilds. This this first one is uh, found in the wild by Matt Navarra of the Next Web, and he found that Facebook is experimenting with hiding comment and reaction counts on posts. And I find this interesting because honestly, I like being able to see at a glance, oh, Mm -hmm. this post has a certain amount of social proof, whether it be shares, whether it be reactions, et cetera. So or comments, the amount of comments, like it's like if somebody asks a question, there's like, you know, one comment I'm like, and it's like from hours old, you know. So anyway, I'm interested in where they're going with this or why they're testing it. But uh, we'll Mm -hmm. see what happens. Uh, That's our first wild. Okay, our next wild is that Facebook is testing. uh, Well, 
They are testing and or updated the stories posting feature with a dedicated photo editing tool for desktop users. So this comes from the next web and it reports that the new functionality resembles the standard image editing photo editor and offers various options to manipulate the final picture. You can add text, color filters, stickers. So, um, yeah, they're just they're given a way to play around with your story on desktop. So I'm assuming you do your story on mobile, you share it to Facebook desktop, and then you go into your story once it's already on desktop and then edit it. Yeah. And the possibility of being able to create stories on the desktop at some point is obviously this, this kind of makes you think, could that be too right. far off? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, and I would like that. I would like them to do that because I'm on desktop so often. I probably would be more likely to do stories if I could do it from desktop. Right. Yeah. A lot of people would, I'm sure. So yeah. uh, next up, Facebook, another wild Facebook is testing the ability to unlock marketplace achievements. So this is one of those you know little fun ones. And I, I use marketplace. My wife does, too. Uh, Facebook, basically, marketplace is their eBay clone. You know, simplest way yeah. to put it, you can sell your stuff with local Facebook users there and they're testing a, a abil the ability to roll out, um, you know, different achievements, if you will, like being a super seller or, a, you know, uh, a, however many items you, that you sold in a certain amount of time. And uh, it, this was found by um, Facebook. Uh, Mateo Gamba's Facebook account was reported by uh, Matt Navarra. Okay, so Facebook is expected to create a breaking news section to its video streaming platform, Watch. So it, Facebook's making more of an effort to feature local news publishers rather than the big national outlets on the platform. And it's currently testing a new section of the app specifically for local breaking news and events. And Facebook said that with this update that it's basically upping its commitment to featuring more local news as part of a broader evolution of Facebook's news strategy. And so they've said recently that they're going to be taking a lot of the news out of the news feed, but it appears now they're kind of just shifting it to a new place to watch it while again, prioritizing local stories. So that would be pretty, I think that that would be a, a cool feature. If you're going to take it out of the news feed, I would like to have a place to go watch the news. Yeah. And this follows through with what Facebook has said with their recent changes, right? Right, exactly. Focusing exactly. in on like live video and, and Facebook watch being a definitive like where your video is on Facebook, which is pretty mm -hmm. cool. Uh, Facebook is testing paywalls inside of the iOS app. Now, to be clear, this is something that has already been rolled out on Android back in October 2017. This is the ability to uh, have instant article paywalls and subscription models. Now it's just rolling out to be able to be on iOS as well. Okay. Well, Facebook has announced that organizations and businesses can now post in community help and provide critical information and services for people to get the help they need when they're in a crisis. So before it, you didn't have businesses or organizations that could post there, only individuals. And now it's Facebook is allowing businesses and organizations to help people and reach out directly. And initially, right now, Facebook has started by giving this feature to select organizations like Direct Relief, Lyft, Chase, Feeding America, um, 
International Medical Corps more. And they said in the future that they're going to be adding more and more organizations and businesses. So this is going to put people together with businesses during times of crisis when they could most use those businesses services or aid. Pretty cool. That is all our news for this week. I want to say thank you to Jeff C for being here on as a guest, as well as handling the simulcasts and to Grace Duffy, our show producer, as well as you, Kim, my co-host. Thanks. Thank you very much. Uh, You can get our weekly show calendar by going to socialmediaexaminer.com slash live show. You can get the audio podcast of this on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just search for Social Media Marketing Talk Show, and new episodes are published every Monday. And again, we are hoping to see you at Social Media Marketing World coming up almost within, well, within days. Everything's within days, but within a matter of almost a few days, Social Media Marketing World will be here. Find out more. Get your ticket. Be there. Social Media Marketing World, SMMW18.com. If you've enjoyed this show, please share it wherever you're consuming it. Our next show will be Friday, February 23rd at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. And again, you can get this on your calendar, socialmediaexaminer.com slash live show. And with that, I want to say thank you for being here. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we will see you all real soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. If you're like so many fellow marketers and creators and entrepreneurs, you're probably wondering, how do I put AI to work? Well, be sure to listen to the AI Explored podcast, a new show from Social Media Examiner, hosted by yours truly, Michael Stelzner. Again, check out the AI Explored podcast.